Hey, good morning, New Life Downtown. It's good to see you today. Would you stand with me this morning? It's one of those days where it's awfully cold outside and um, not a whole lot warmer in this room. So uh, everyone find your inner charismatic and uh, let's do a little bit of dancing and moving during service. Help warm the place up a little bit. Does that sound good? Yes? All right. That was a very frigid sort of response. Does that sound good? There we go. All right. Let's pray. Jesus, we come into your presence today to praise your name. As you gather us together, would you make us one with you and one with each other and one in ministry to the whole world? And would you fill this place with your gracious presence? Would you bring your kingdom to bear on our lives, on our church, on our city, and on our world? As we worship you, as we lift your name up, would you meet us once again with the fullness of your glory? We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's worship together. Good morning, church family. Good to be with you guys this morning. We know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So let's be strong and courageous and sing out to the Lord this morning. Come on, let's put our hands together just like this. We worship you, Jesus. All glory to your name. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. And we worship the God whoever will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out of your grace. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, we shout praise to you, Jesus. All glory to your name. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always Away. He hung up on that cross, and he rose up from that grave. My God, still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely. We won't be quiet We shout out of your praise Oh God, you deserve the highest praise Yes Lord We were the beggars Now we're royalty We were the prisoners Now we're running free And we are forgiven, accepted Redeemed by His grace, let the house of the Lord sing praise. Come on, let's sing it together. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. And we are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. 
morning. There's joy. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Amen and amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. Praise you, God. Be magnified. Listen this up. What creation suddenly articulate With a thousand tongues to live one cry From north to south and east to west We hear Christ be magnified Were the whole earth echoing his imminence? His name would burst from sea and sky. From rivers to the mountain top, he'll Christ be magnified. Find us in most melody And every human heart is faded bright Old and in one and raptured in the grace We sing Christ, be magnified Be magnified Oh, Christ 
sing it out. If you've been forgiven, if you've been redeemed, sing the song forever to the Lamb. We sing it to your name, God. If you walk in freedom, and if you bear his name, we'll sing the song forever to the Lamb. Yes, we will. We'll sing the song forever.
Church, would you stretch your hand out um, in all different directions around the room towards our city? Father, we lift up our city right now. Those who are in the unhoused community, Lord, bring shelter, bring warmth, Lord. If anyone is out there who is um, alone, uh, without shelter, Lord, would they be found? Uh, We know you are someone who pursues us, Lord. You pursue the lost. You pursue your lost sheep. Would you find people who need help in this city? Would you be with the first responders who have to be outside and responding to emergencies? Lord, would you 
Would you bring them safety? Would you bring them everything they need to, to be able to respond and help in our city? Lord, would you give us in this room eyes to see? Give us eyes to see those around us who need help. Help us to keep our eyes and our gaze up and fixed on you. And Lord, would you lead us in the way we need to be led? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. You can go ahead and have a seat. Middle school, we bless you as you go. Have a great time. Give Brock a hard time. Here's a question. If God is so powerful, could he create a rock that he himself could not lift? Is that an existential crisis for anyone else when you were in elementary school, or is that just me? I had a hard time with that one. Brock, I trust you to give a good answer. We love you guys. Welcome, welcome to those of you who are new or newer to New Life Downtown. If you came, gold star to you today. This is a great day to come. Uh, gold star to all of you. You know what? You guys all made it. I was asking everyone where they're from, and you're like Nebraska and South Dakota and Michigan. I'm from Washington, and I have to wear a jacket to do announcements. It's freezing outside. I am not used to this at all. Um, well, welcome to those who are newer, newer. Uh, if you are new here, you can scan a QR code. Let us know you're here. We'd love to connect with you, grab coffee, give you a gift. You can scan a QR code here or in the lobby or say hello to someone on the welcome team. Today is New Life Next. So if uh, that's our version of like a newcomer's lunch, you can come over to the commons. It's only two blocks. That's as far as you have to make it. Uh, you can drive over if you need to, and uh, it's at the it's at the Commons, which is a block north, uh, yeah, block north and a block west, uh, just kitty corner from the Wild Goose Coffee Shop, um, and uh, have lunch with us. Hear from Pastor Jason about New Life Downtown, its vision, its mission. Um, ask lots of questions, like if God was so powerful. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but you can ask that question if you want to, Jason. I trust you to give a good answer. Um, also. Uh, this week is the last week to sign up and uh, host a meal group for this next round of meal groups. So if you would like to host a meal group this next go around, please email me uh, this week at the latest. All right. And then one more announcement. We are starting an, our next Alpha course this Tuesday, the 16th. Uh, I'm going to invite my friend Candice up. Candice has been coming to Alpha for... Uh, Two courses, three courses? This will be your third, maybe? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, and Candace is going to share a little bit of her story this morning. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. If you told me two years ago that I'd be standing on stage in a church telling my story, especially on a morning that it's negative five degrees outside, I would have laughed, guffawed even. In my mind, I was the weirdo witch that teaches yoga and loves crystals and reads tarot cards that the members of a church typically chase out with pitchforks. <laughs> but instead, I found that New Life Downtown is much more welcoming to those of us who are still questioning and wondering about the Christian faith, and I truly contribute that to my time in Alpha. When my dear friend John Talley invited me to Alpha a year ago, I honestly hesitated. I looked at the website, winced a little bit, but I found myself curious enough to come to a meeting. I'd moved to the Springs a year ago and I literally did not know one soul in this town. And Alpha provided me with a community of support, of deep listeners, of respect, of love, a place that I can go every Tuesday night to connect with spirit and ask those hard questions. My first meeting, I told everybody, Holy Spirit, cool. Jesus, love that guy. 
cue the Doobie Brothers. Jesus is just all right with me. But God, God with a capital G, ooh, that one's a little more difficult for me. In my conversations with others at Alpha, I've learned that many of us have stories of negative experiences in church or religious trauma, but that's not the end-all be-all of the Christian faith. As a scholar who spent 10 years teaching philosophy and religion at the college level, I'm someone full of wonderings and musings, ontological and epistemological curiosities about why are we all here and what does it all mean? Since leaving academia, it's been heartwarming discovering a community that's receptive to my curiosity while providing so much support and so much healing for one another, no matter what questions are asked. So I'm up here today to tell you to invite people to Alpha, especially those of us that are struggling, have questions, are alone, or we're wondering what the heck life is all about. Jay and all of the other group leaders do a phenomenal job of facilitating a space where people can be themselves, be vulnerable, find guidance and support in a thought-provoking environment that helps, that truly helps shine light on answers to questions like why church, why Christianity, why God. So please invite others to come and share in the Alpha experience this Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you, Candice. So we're starting this Tuesday at 6.30, also at the Commons, um, at 6.30 to 8.30, dinner provided. Uh, there are invite cards in the lobby, a, a website to sign up. Please grab a card on your way out. We'd love to host you or one of your friends, family members, uh, or both. All right, we are uh, going to turn in our service now to the time when we give of our tithes and our offerings, just giving back a portion uh, to the Lord, what he's so graciously given to us. If you would like to give, there are... Uh, three ways to do that. Whoa, are we changing things up now? Uh, Maybe if that QR code has replaced the app. But you can give online, you can scan the QR code, you can give uh, in the boxes in the lobby if you're here in the room, or you can mail in your um, tithes and offerings to the address on the screen. Uh, If you would like to give to Alpha, we are um, continuing this year uh, raising money for to put on our Alphas, and then anything that we raise above and beyond our Uh, financial goal we're giving to our friends in Albania. Last year, we uh, cut a check to $8,000 to them to help run their alphas. And our goal this year, again, is $35,000. And anything above that, we'll give to our friends in Albania. Um, All right. And now we're going to turn to the scriptures. So if you take a second and just quiet your heart, prepare uh, your heart for what the Lord has for you from his word. Good morning. My name is Ruth, and hi. (laughs) And the Old Testament reading is found in Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. The word of the Lord. 
Hello, my name is Sean. The New Testament reading is found in Ephesians 1, 3 through 7. Bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing that comes from heaven. God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless in God's presence before the creation of the world. God destined us to be his adopted children through Jesus Christ because of his love. This was according to his goodwill and plan to honor his glorious grace that he has given us freely through the son whom he loves. We have been ransomed through his son's blood and we have forgiveness for our failures based on his overflowing grace. The word of the Lord. Hello, my name is Kevin. Hello. If you're able, please stand for the gospel reading found in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not extinguish the light. The Gospel of the Lord. Please remain standing with me as we pray this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer uh, that was written by Martin Luther King Jr. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr.'s day, and uh, I was reading some of his prayers this week, and I wanted to pray this portion of a prayer uh, for us today, because it goes along with what we feel like God's been speaking to us about cultivating our common life together in Christ. And so, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, oh God, we pray that you would keep us in perfect peace. And help us to walk together. Help us to pray together. Help us to sing together. Help us to live together until that day when all God's children, regardless of the color of our skin, will rejoice in the one common band of humanity in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would do this among us today. You would continue to reconcile us to yourself, reconcile us to one another, and give us a ministry of reconciliation to the world that all might come to know and see and believe and trust in you, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jason. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New Life Downtown. And if you're visiting, we're so glad uh, that you're here. If you're watching online today, uh, maybe you're from Texas and you're like, I just can't do it. I cannot go outside. Uh, we love you and we bless you. Uh, the rest of us from the North and Midwest, unlike Jay, we're like, this is kind of fine. This is, this is the first time uh, that Colorado has felt like Iowa to me in the seven years that I moved here. I got up this morning and I looked at um, my weather app just to see, like, what's the temperature in my hometown right now? And the wind chill was negative 45 degrees below zero um, at that point in time. So I was grateful for negative 25. Like, that felt like it's kind of balmy out here. Um, my, my hometown could be really classified, I think, in this way. I'm going to tell you this really quick story because it just, I can't shake it this week. Uh, it's a town of 2,700 people in north central Iowa. And right now, if you were to drive to my hometown, the thing that might startle you the most is outside of every church and outside of the grocery store and outside of any place that people are inside, outside, their cars are all on and running. 
I'm not kidding. Like everyone, come to the grocery store on a day like today, drive from your house to the grocery store, park the car, leave the car on, go into the grocery store, shop for 30, 45 minutes, come back out, get in your car, because it's there. It's still there. Unless, of course, my former stepdad who went to the store one time, went in, had breakfast with uh, his buddies, came back out, got in his truck, was driving home, and realized he got in the wrong truck. (laughs) So then had to turn around and like do the drive of shame back to the grocery store. uh, Because it's just, he got a new one and got him confused in the parking lot from there. That has nothing to do with the sermon today. I just thought it was... Uh, a fun story. We're beginning a new series today in the Gospel of John. John is one of the four ancient biographies about Jesus that we call Gospels. It was written in the first century by an unnamed author based on the language and the style and the theology, the emphasis within the book. It's most likely the same author as who wrote the letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Most likely that was either John, the son of Zebedee, or another person named John the Elder. We're not exactly sure, but it's someone most likely named John. And John's gospel, John's work, John's authorship here is perhaps the most distinctive of all of the Gospels. When you think about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John has all of these really unique distinctives about it. One of them being the intimacy that we find in John with these long conversations that Jesus has with people. But perhaps one of the other things that's really unique about it is John may be the most thoroughly Jewish of the Gospels. It may be the one that is continuing to pull on Jewish language and tradition and culture and the story of the Old Testament and pulling all of these things together. This becomes really clear from the prologue, from the opening 18 verses of the book that sets who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing firmly within the Old Testament story. In particular, the opening of John wants to pull on three specific threads. One of those being the creation, the other one being the image of tabernacle and temple, and the other one being the image of covenant or law and God's grace being given in those things. And so what John wants to see is to see how Jesus and what Jesus is doing is in continuity with and in culmination of all that God has been doing since the beginning of time. That he is working in continuity with creation, with the temple and tabernacle, and with the covenants that God has made because he himself is God. We find this John chapter 1 verse 1 begins this way. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. That opening line, the opening phrase echoes the opening line of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible that says the same phrase in the beginning. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. We go to the second verse and it says, the earth was dark and lifeless. It was formless and void. And then all of a sudden, the creator God begins to create. And his creative activity begins with light and it culminates with life. It begins on the very first day of God speaking and saying, let there be light. And there was light and the light dissipated the darkness. The darkness could not overcome it. And then 
then it goes on and it culminates in God speaking and giving life on the sixth day, giving life specifically to humans. Let us create humanity. Let's create male and female in our image, in our likeness. So God spoke life into existence, life into being. And John insists here that the word of creation, who was with God and who was God, the word who is life, the word who gives light and life to the world is now coming in to the worlds. John 1.9 puts it this way, the true light that shines on all people was coming in to the world. What is John saying here? What John is trying to call our attention to is that the creator of the entire cosmos is now acting in a new creative way within his very creation. He's initiating a new creative act, not one that does away with the first creation and says, oh, that was a really bad draft. I should, you know, crumble that up and throw that in the waste bin. Instead, God is doing a new creative act within his creation that's once again confronting darkness and death, the darkness and death that have snuck into his world through human rebellion, confronting those once again in a way that doesn't do away with his creation, but actually restores and renews and reconciles his good world. That God is entering into his world in order to recreate it, in order to renew it. In other words, Jesus comes to renew all of his creation. That this is the purpose behind Jesus coming into the world is to renew God's good creation, to renew his world, the world that he made. And this is good news for us because what it means is Jesus has also come to renew us. He's come to renew all things. He's come to renew the entire world and that includes us. One of the reasons that we love New Year's not just, you know, like the ball dropping in the Little Smokies and Velveeta dip that I talked about last week. But there's something about New Year that sort of sparks something inside of us. That when we see the calendar turn over from 2023 to 2024, we have this promise that's held out there for us, a promise of a fresh start. The promise of a new beginning. The promise that we can put the past year behind us and that we can then move on to something else. And so we surround New Year's Day with us making all of these plans with our New Year's resolutions, with the 12 steps that we're going to follow to the new, improved, better version of ourselves. And yet it's January 14th. And so we've all already learned the failure of our own resolve. <laughs> I was reading, doing some research this week. It says that nearly, it's like 91% of all New Year's resolutions fail. 91% of them. 9% say that they accomplished what they set out to do at the beginning of the year. I think they're lying. Like, I'm like, really? Like you, you accomplished it all in its entirety? We quickly re like realize the limits of our resolve. And those are just resolutions that typically have to do with like health and finances or the number of books that you're going to read or maybe the number of movies you're going to watch if you'd rather watch the movie than read the book. But either way, we find that even in these things, we fail to follow through. Or the things that we thought were going to bring us some sort of new fresh start or beginning fail to deliver on their promises so we realize that we actually cannot remake ourselves by ourselves. 
All the things that we're hoping for in the new year sort of come crashing down. But the gospel says to us that Jesus offers us a fresh start. That Jesus is the one who actually can deliver on those promises. He can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He can create new beginnings out of even our darkest moments. That when we hit dead ends in life, then we come to the very edge of ourselves. And we, all we see is darkness and death. Jesus comes in and says, I'm the light of the world and I'm the resurrection and the life. And I can bring a new beginning and a new start for you. He can renew us in such a deep and profound way that later on in the Gospel of John, he'll refer to it as a new birth. A new birth that comes to us. It says, wait, all that was past can be reconciled and redeemed and restored and renewed. All the darkness and death in my life doesn't have to be the end of my story. Instead, Jesus can enter in and do the very thing that I long for and cry for and hope for, but I cannot do myself. He can bring me into a new world and teach me to live and to walk in a new way. And that's not accomplished through our resolve, but through his renewal. John wants us to know that Jesus comes to renew his creation, to renew all things and to renew us. He goes on and says this, the word became flesh and made his home among us. Or in Eugene Peterson's words, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And it goes on, it says, we have seen his glory, the glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. What's John doing here? He's suddenly shifting the imagery from creation to the Old Testament tabernacle and temple. He's referring back to imagery where the people of God have gathered together and they've built a structure, either a portable tent or a permanent temple at various places in the Old Testament, and they're there all gathered together. This is that the glory of God descends and fills that place. The presence of God becomes known among them in the place of meeting. That God is the God who makes his home with his people yet again, just as he did in the garden and then did in the tabernacle and then did in the temple, that God is the God who wants to be with us. But as we continue to read the Old Testament, we see that because of Israel's rebellion against God, God's presence was removed from Israel and Israel was removed from the land. But John claims that God has come once again. This time he's come in the flesh. He's come in flesh and blood. He has not tabernacled in a building, but tabernacled in humanity. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. God's only son has become human in order to be with humans. In other words, John wants us to see that Jesus has not only come to renew creation, he's come to restore God's presence with us. He's come to be with us. Last week in our conversation about vision and what do we feel like Jesus is laying on our heart for our community, we talked about the epidemic of loneliness that's plaguing our society. Researchers and all of the kind of conversations about loneliness have identified that loneliness can happen for us on all kinds of levels. We can feel an intimate loneliness if we find that we've lost a spouse or we're longing for a spouse or we don't have a best friend to walk through life with. We can 
can feel kind of a social loneliness if we're not connected to a larger group of shared values and experiences. We can feel situational loneliness that just happens like in this moment, I feel alone, but it's not chronic. And then they mention a kind of loneliness that's a cosmic loneliness. A sense of feeling alone in the universe. We might call it as followers of Jesus a spiritual loneliness. A sense that we doubt or deny the existence or the presence of God in the world. That there is nothing other than this. But even as we become followers of Jesus, we can still have moments where we feel like God is distant or we're disconnected from him. We may even have moments where we feel abandoned or rejected by God. But the gospel of Jesus Christ demonstrates the great lengths that God will go to be with us. The great lengths that God will go to be with you. Maybe we can even put it this way, the great depths that he'll go to be with us. The incarnation of Jesus is about God descending to take up residence among his people, to come to be with us again. And John begins his gospel talking about the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And at the end of his gospel, he has this moment where Jesus, after the resurrection, is gathered together with his disciples and he calls them to himself. And it says this, so then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. What this means is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're never alone. You may feel like it. We have moments where that sense sort of grips us in some way. But the truth of the gospel is that we are never alone because the God who took on flesh now fills your flesh. He's taken up residence inside of you. You have become his temple. The spirit of God now resides in you. So wherever you go, the spirit of God goes with you. Now, but this doesn't mean that we don't need other people. Sometimes we hear this, we're like, great, I've got God. I don't need anything else. I can just go along the way. But this doesn't mean that we don't need one another. Because whenever God does something in us, it's not just for us. It is always for other people. The Spirit is in us, but the Spirit is in us not just for us. The Spirit works in us and through us for the sake of other people. The truth about the Spirit of God is that the others around you need the Spirit of God in you, and you need the Spirit of God in other people. This is one of the many reasons why we've said that one of the real keys to communal life in the church is to prioritize presence with each other. Because we need one another. And we need what God is doing inside of one another. So the true question that we should be asking on Sunday mornings or at meal groups or in teams or any of the other places that we gather together in courses is not asking ourselves in moments, what is in this for me? What am I getting out of this? What is going to be in it for me if I go to this place? The real question that we should be asking is, what has God put in me that's for the sake of somebody else? What has God put in me? What has he done in me that is actually supposed to be a gift for someone else? The way that we cultivate our common life together is by coming into moments like this and praying, okay, Jesus, who do you want me to encourage today? 
Jesus, who do you want me to say hi to today? Jesus, who seems lonely today? Who would you like me to invite today? Jesus, what have you done in me? What have you spoken to me that I can share with someone else? Jesus, who would you like me to serve today? And what happens when the entire people of God come into a moment like that? We find that Jesus begins to meet us and speak to us through other people throughout the entire gathering from the time that we walk in until we go home. The Spirit of God is doing something in us. That Jesus comes to restore God's presence among us. John goes on in verse 16 and says this, from his fullness, from Jesus' fullness, the one who's full of grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. As the law was given through Moses, so grace and truth came into being through Jesus Christ. Here John's language relates Jesus to the law, to Moses, to the covenant. And the language echoes Exodus 34 where it says this, the Lord passed in front of Moses. This is the moment where Moses has the second set of tablets. He passes in front of him and says, the Lord, the Lord, a God who is compassionate, and merciful, very patient, and full. Full of what? Full of loyalty and faithfulness. Those Hebrew words could be translated full of grace and truth. The God who is full of grace and truth. The God who is loyal even to the disloyal. The God who is faithful even to the unfaithful. Graciously gave us the law. Graciously invited us into covenant with himself. And now he's given us even more in Jesus. See, Jesus comes to pile God's grace upon us. This is what he's come to do to renew all of creation, to be present with us, and to be present with us in such a way that he's piling God's grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. The Ephesians said that grace has been given freely and abundantly to us. In other words, there's nothing that we did to earn it. There's nothing that we did to deserve it and nothing that we can do to exhaust it. Because grace overflows from the fullness of God. It is inexhaustible. But this is exceptionally hard for us to wrap our minds around. For various reasons, many of us believe that grace is something that we have to work for. But we just haven't done enough to deserve it. Maybe we're carrying things in for our family of origin and the ways in which we tried to get our parents' attention. Just felt there was never enough. We couldn't do enough to, to show or to earn or to deserve their love, their attention. And so we carry that over into our relationship with God. Others of us believe that we're disqualified from it that we will simply never be enough. We were never enough for this person. We were never enough for that person. We were never enough here and we were never enough there. And so we've given up trying altogether because it's not so much that we believe that we haven't done enough, that we just believe that we'll never be enough. And others believe that we've exhausted it, that we've used all God's grace for us up. That if, if, if everyone knew our story and the things that we've done and the ways that we've walked away and the things that we've said about God and the things that we've done to others, then they would know what we know, that there's no more available to us. 
But Ephesians and John remind us that he's piled grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace and that grace comes and overflows from his fullness. According to John, grace's only limit is our response to it, our receptivity to the grace of God. John 1, 11 puts it this way. It says, the light came to his own people and his own people didn't welcome him, but those who did welcome him. Those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's own children. In other words, Jesus offers us grace freely and abundantly and continually. He's continually offering grace upon grace upon grace. He's piling it on on us all of the time. And the only question is, will we receive it? As gift after gift and grace after grace comes upon us, will we welcome the grace and the grace giver? The moment of faith where we come to a moment of saying, I do believe, I do trust, I want to follow Jesus is a moment of initial welcome of grace. Theologians refer to this as saving grace or justifying grace where we finally say, okay, I give up. <laughs> and I give in to the grace of God. And I say, I do believe, <laughs> I do trust I am sorry, and I do receive all of the forgiveness that you have for me. Grace received, grace welcomed. And yet that's not the only time that we receive grace. The process of discipleship, of following Jesus, is about ongoing receptivity to the grace of God in our lives. Theologians refer to this as sanctifying grace. The grace that works God's holiness into us, that sets us free. The grace that heals, the grace that restores, the grace that renews, the grace that continues to come to us and to lead us into greater degrees of glory, <laughs> greater degrees of freedom. Because what happens is as we follow Jesus over the course of the days and the weeks and the months and the years and the decades, we will discover new areas in our lives where we are resistant to God's grace in us. We just suddenly find, oh wait, for some reason I don't want God's grace to go there. For some reason I'm resistant to this. As I've been reflecting in the last couple of months on the last few years and in really especially this last year in particular with all that we went through with uh, our daughter Cora's hospitalization and some other things that were going on in our lives, I become aware that I have an increasing resistance to rest and joy. That they feel distant to me. And, and I, don't, I don't feel like I know how to access them. I, I believe in them. And I know that those are part of the promises of God. And yet I feel resistant for a variety of different reasons. And that kind of change of becoming open to rest, becoming open to joy, to finding the kind of transformation in the deep part of our souls that doesn't come from New Year's resolutions. That doesn't come from having moments where like, you know what, I've decided I'm going to be happy and I'm going to relax. 
And all of a sudden, it was just done. It was all taken care of. No, those kinds of things that happen inside of the, our souls, the brokenness, the fracturing, the hurts, the pains, the things that we carry in this world, those things are not healed by personal resolve. They're, learn, they're healed by learning to embrace the grace of God. By learning to embrace, saying, okay, I welcome you, Jesus, once again. I welcome you into these places of resistance. I welcome your joy. I welcome your rest. Would you teach me how to find those things? I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in his uh, translation of Romans chapter 12. He says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. As the worship team and Sarah come to lead us to the table, I want you to just take a moment right now. Close your eyes all around the room. And begin just to ask the Spirit of God, would you show me any area of my life where I am resistant to your grace? Where I'm holding your grace at a distance? Maybe it's the experience of forgiveness of either receiving it or giving it. You're holding it at bay. Would you begin to ask the Spirit of God, would you teach me to embrace forgiveness? Maybe there's a fear, an anxiety, a worry that has taken hold and is gripping you in some way that it's, it's just hard to live. It's hard to interact with other people. It's hard to go outside it's hard to go to work. It's hard to think about risking another relationship. Would you ask the Spirit of God to meet you there? To bring His peace to you? Maybe it's a sense of loneliness that you feel like is never going to go away. Would you ask the Spirit of God to make the presence of Jesus more known, more real to you this year than it has been in the past? As we come to this table, this table is the clearest expression that we have on a weekly basis of the grace that welcomes us. A God is a God who welcomes us, who invites us, who beckons us. And it's an opportunity for us to welcome the grace that welcomes us. To come to the table, to welcome grace into our lives, to welcome Jesus into our lives, to welcome grace together. This is Jesus's table. All the love of God is here for us. So if you are, well, are willing to welcome the grace of God in your life, then please partake in this communion, the liturgy, the elements, the grace of it, regardless of your church background or your affiliation or regardless of how your week went or where you feel like you and God are at. Is there a willingness do you feel any softening to welcome the grace of God? And please partake here. If that does not describe where you're at, thank you for coming today. 
Thank you for being here. We encourage you to keep coming, keep asking questions, even keep checking in with yourself. Is something softening, is something opening in me toward Jesus? If you are ready, maybe today to begin welcoming Jesus, to put your trust and your faith in him, then we invite you to join us as we begin this liturgy with an honesty, a a confession of our lack and of our need for Jesus and to trust him. So you can pray with me. The words are on the screen. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and deed. By what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen. It's my joy this morning to announce good news, words that are true, not because I or anyone else would say them, but they're just true because of what God has done for us. So would you open up your hands like we do each week, a posture of receiving again the mercy of God. May we never grow tired of receiving the mercy of God. Hear these words. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. The peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. As those who have been raised to new life with Jesus, please stand, take a minute to greet those around you and offer the peace of Christ to each other. we come back together, the words are going to be on the screen to our liturgy. Friends, Jesus is here. Lift up your hearts. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. It is. It's not only right, God, but it's a good and it's a joyful thing to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, because you formed us in your image. You breathed your life into us. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When we were unfaithful, you sent your son Jesus to be faithful on our behalf. On the night that he was going to be handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. When he had blessed it, he broke it. And then he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after the supper was over, he took the cup of wine. After he had given thanks, he gave it to them and he said, drink this, all of you. 
because this is my blood. It represents a new covenant. I'm giving myself for you, for so many, for all, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, remember me. And so God, in remembrance of your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we proclaim together this mystery of our faith that Christ has died and Christ is risen and Christ will come again. Would you bless these elements with me in your heart or even physically by stretching your hands out toward them as we pray over them and invite the Holy Spirit to meet us here in these physical elements. Father, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us who are gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. May they be for us the body and the blood of Jesus so that we may be for the world the body of Jesus redeemed by his blood and by your spirit, would you make us one with Jesus, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world until Jesus returns in final victory and we see him face to face, amen. I wanna invite the servers to come forward. Friends, I wanna remind you that these are gifts. These, thank you, these are the gifts of God. They're given for us, the people of God. So as you receive them, receive them remembering that Jesus loves you, that Jesus died for you, and feed on him in your heart by faith and with thanksgiving. If this is your first time joining us, you can scan this QR code for instructions for how we receive the elements or just more information about why we do communion in our services each week. Uh, You can also just watch what everyone else is doing. If you're unable to come forward, please ask someone around you to bring the elements back to you. If you're in the balcony, you can come downstairs, join this section on the right, or there should be some elements up there for you as well. So come. Let's worship together. Let's feed on the love of Christ in our hearts together as we receive today.
Thanks for joining us for worship this morning. I wanna remind you that our communion servers offer a chance for you to be prayed over at the end of the service. And I was just thinking, we take advantage of this. This is such a privilege. How many people are there in our city or in the world who would long to have someone pray over them? So do come and, and take advantage of that opportunity to be prayed over at the end of the service. Also a reminder about Alpha starting this Tuesday. So many ways that we can support that. Huge ones obviously are inviting someone. But secondly, giving to our Alpha Fund, maybe giving in honor of the people who have made a safe place for you to explore the truths about who God is. Um, but then third, to be praying about what God is doing in our city through Alpha, the way that people are going to be um, loved, the way that people are gonna be taken care of in, in this course this, this spring. So be sure to pray about that as God puts that on your mind. Don't forget that after the service, um, we're doing New Life Next, which is just a way to learn more about the church for us to get to know you as well. So go a block north and a block west. It's at 322 North Tejon, free lunch uh, available there as well. And now may I bless you as you go. Friends, I bless you in the creativity of God the Father, the humility of Jesus Christ, the Son, and the companionship of the Holy Spirit. May you know that God is with you this week. Go in peace. Can't wait to see you again next week.